This episode of the podcast is brought to you by WBR Yamaha Inachuca. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. We talk about a few topics, but mostly we cover mindset. There's plenty of value in here for you guys and girls who want to improve your ability to be in the right headspace on race day. If you've got any questions at all about anything that we touch on in here, reach out to either myself, Dean, or Renee, and we can help you to move forward. Awesome. So today we've got Dean Ferris and Renee Evans on the podcast from Motocross Masterclass. How are you both today? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Awesome. So I see you've been on the road last week or so. How's that been for you? Yeah, I've been on the road for a week and a half. Uh, we realised that the the Queen, uh, Queensland state was going to lift the restrictions with the COVID, and we've intended to do a, a coaching trip. So, um, and we're going to do it after the MX Nationals, but at the moment we're not sure when that's going to happen. Uh, we have a lot of free time right now, so we pretty much packed up the van pretty yeah. soon. Um, I went by my brother's house, and we finished. Uh, we got a sprinter van finished decking that out and we got on the road and we, we, uh, we've got some masterclass members um, all around Southeast Queensland. So we started a bit of a loop and then just kind of follow on our nose. We're getting yeah. a lot of requests to get some coaching done. So we've kind of gone off track here and there, but yeah, a week and a half and we've just been flat out just coaching, traveling. Um, and I'm really enjoying it because we've been stuck at home obviously. And I've got a bit of a travel bug myself. Um, so do my our little girls. They just love being out and about. So so far we've had a great time. Um, we have been Gundawindi, Roma, Dolby. Now we're in Kingroy for the weekend, and we're fully booked for some coaching this weekend. Yeah, awesome. You, you're right. It would be good to get out after being locked down for a while. Get on the road. Yeah, for sure. Um, my whole family's been locked down. I've still um, been able to get across the border to Queensland. I've been helping out at Raceline quite a lot in the shop, hands-on, um, getting to know the business in and out, um, traveling and going down to Newcastle, we shut down that workshop. So Raceline is all now at Gold Coast. So I've been helping out with uh, some logistics and stuff like that. But um, even if I sit at home for a weekend or a week, I'm like, oh my God, this is too much for me. I love yeah. home, but I also love getting out and getting, you know, getting amongst it. Yeah, he goes stir crazy. So we need to send him outside. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when, when you've raced, that's, you just get used to going somewhere every weekend, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And in this time, it's made me realise, like, oh, my God, I, I love travelling so much. Yeah. And oh, I wouldn't say I took it for granted, but I'm very grateful that for the last 13 years being a, a pro, all I've done is just race, travel, travel, race and train. And even um, practising, you go to a different track every day, um, mostly when you're practising all week. So it's... Pretty awesome job, really good lifestyle, and being stuck at home wasn't for me, so we're out and about, um, you know, living to our highest values still. Yeah. Yeah, nice. So I'd love to get into the motocross masterclass stuff for sure, but first off, can you maybe give us a quick five-minute bio, guess where, I guess where you both started and how that journey sort of led you to where you're doing, to what you're doing today? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the... The journey really started probably in 2015. I was in Europe and at that time I was pretty fast. Um, I'd won a Grand Prix already. I was really fit. I'd, I'd learned a lot from my trainer, Guy Andrews. I just knew there was a missing piece of the puzzle and that was the mindset, the psychology of racing. While I was over there, I did some work with a sports psychologist, only a few sessions, and uh, he, he um, just changed my mindset. He started giving me some tools for winning and um, I didn't even know there was a mindset game up until then. And I know even in the Grand Prix, uh, amongst the, the pack of wolves, I was, I was improving out of sight just with these few things he gave me. And then at the end of 2015, um, looking back, it's the, it was the end of my you know, big journey overseas and racing uh, internationally. Uh, I, I intended to go back, but we'll get to that later. And I wanted to come home and I wanted to learn how to win. Because before I'd left for Europe, I never even won an overall at an MX National. I just took off and thought I'll learn it along the way. And four years into my international trip, I never actually learned how to win. I won a Grand Prix, but didn't know how I did it. Um, just all my stars aligned. So I come back 
and I, I rode for, you know, the best team at the time with CDR. It was perceived to be the best team and it was a great team, uh, good group of people. And yeah, I just put in lots of work. There was some, um, there was some tough times in 2016. Uh, a lot of people realized that there was a turning point there because I was, I was kind of in around the, the top guys all the time, but I was making mistakes. And then at Wanneroo um, in WA, I had a big crash. Um, I lost like 35 points in the championship. And I remember saying to myself, that's it. I've got to stop this shit. Like I can't keep hitting the ground like this, like all the time. Because up until then I've been, I win it or I win it. And literally that could happen in a day. So. So Renee quit her job. So Renee quit her job. <laughs> Moved in on the and spot. we started working full time to fix it. Yep. And then from that, that was the mid season break. And we, I knew there was a mindset game. I knew I had issues um, with my mindset. And we just, we worked on it. We, yeah. Renee's been really interested in psychology. Um, ever since I was, I remember being three years old and trying to ask like, why do we do what we do? And I just never stopped asking that. And it's been a huge, huge interest of mine, um, human behavior, psychology and sociology, and just trying to understand exactly that. Like why we do what we do. And, you know, I watched Dean have that crash and he won the first race by like over 30 seconds. No, I don't think it was 30, but it was a lot. I, know, I was dominating in, in WA. It was and then... like, crazy amounts he was winning by and then we come into the last moto and he was in second all he had to do was wait a couple of lines he was faster he was fitter for me it was just basic you know logical you just wait for a pass and you just do it but he you could i watched his emotions change i watched his emotions take him over and he just lost his shit and just landed on top of gibbs and you know i was just like what are you doing and so i was like okay we've got to fix this so yeah, yeah from, from, from that moment on, we really, we, like Renee was studying psychology and I was kind of piggybacking off what she was doing while I was training and doing my program. And from that moment on, I never in like three years dropped outside the top two. It was like 50 something motos in a row. Mm -hmm. um, so I really got my shit together. And then from there on, we improved it, you know, like 17 and 18 were really successful years for me. Yeah. Um, so we really did figure out the mindset. And I kept improving with my body. Um, we kept improving. You know, you still you keep learning about the bike every year as well. Um, yeah. So we teamed up together with that. And then uh, in 2019, I dropped everything and decided, all right, we've got the tools. Let's go back overseas, make it happen. And it just it, it didn't work out. Um, we're over there just flying by the seat of our pants. And now that I've got a young family, it's not it's not really how I want to roll. And when you're in your late twenties, trying to do it for free is you know, that's not the idea of building up your career to the point where you can make good money doing it. Um, wasn't, wasn't really enjoying, uh, enjoying it. It was just a struggle. And then I remember on the flight home from USA, um, it, it had dawned on me that I was too old. Um, you know, being in my late twenties when there's a guy at, you know, equal ability to me, they're going to take the young guy cause they can work with him for a long time. Um, so I realized that I, I was too old. Um, it was, I was 26 by the time I worked out how to win, um, did some winning. And then I was 28, 29 when I was in USA and it's kind of at the later end of the career that the teams would see. So on the way home on the flight, I said, Renee, cause we had this idea about building a masterclass and sharing my, our knowledge together. Cause Renee was really helped me with the mindset and we realized that we could make, um, an online program to help more people because sure we could take someone under our wing, but like one or two students and that's a full-time job. But we wanted to share it with everyone because it's such a void of mine. Like I, I searched long and hard from when I turned, you know, 15 or 16 and wanted to make this a career and looking for the information that just wasn't out there. A lot of the ex races, when they finish, they go off and do something else and they don't share the knowledge that they work so hard to find. And, and because I was so interested in why we do what we do, I was just drilling him and drilling him and drilling him and drilling him and constantly asking, okay, well, why do you do that? And I quite like riding as well. Um, I raced a lot when I was younger. That's how Dean and I met. We raced sunny states against each other when we were like 14. Um, and so, you know, I was watching things he was doing and I was constantly asking, why do you do that? And how do you do that? And, and, you know, basically we were able to identify a lot of things and understand the why behind everything. And that's what I believe has helped yeah, and I, I would say I was 75% the way there with the mindset, but when Renee studied it 
And like I said, I've piggybacked off what Renee is learning. I learn a lot about myself because I learned things through trial and error, just through, you know, nine or 10 years of just, all right, well, that didn't work because I just crashed and I hit the ground or I got injured. I'll try it this way and I'll try it this way. And, and like I said, I was most of the way there. I just needed the final pieces. Um, and I didn't actually know that winning or sports psychology was a science until yeah. we went and worked it out. And we did, we worked it out. But then, yeah, like I said, it took me 10 years to work it out on my own, um, just through trial and error. And it was 26 for I won the championship, a championship or a race. And when I realized like this all took too long, I really wanted to make this program. We wanted to make this program. So the next generation don't have the same problem. Like if they've got the speed and the ability and, and they can learn how to get fit, which we teach as well, um, we can give them the mindset. We can give them the whole package and some direction um, all in one spot. And if, if they're going places or they just want to improve to whatever le level they're capable of or they want to achieve, um, we're there to support them with that. So I, I re I'm really helping the young me is what I'm doing. You know, if I had this, you know, this knowledge when I was 10 or 15 or even 20, it would have made my journey a lot smoother. And who knows where my, you know, where my career might have gone. But I, I never say if, buts or maybes. Um, I'm really happy of yeah. what we're achieving. Um, this all happened for a reason. We're really pumped about the motocross masterclass, the students we can help, the yeah. students we are helping. Yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable for both of us. So, um the way that the masterclass works is that uh, when a member signs up, they get access to our online dashboard. So we've built a video school. So we've got over 15 hours worth of video content tutorials covering all of the different things. So basically we like to think of ourselves like the glue helping people put it all together. So they might have a PT that teaches them about fitness, but then they might not understand how the goal setting comes into it and the mindset and basically just putting the whole puzzle together. Um, yep. And so from there, they get access to that. And then Dean and I go live together once a month on a video chat like this. And that all of our students can ask as any question they want as they're applying it. And we can, and generally if one quick, one writer is asking it, 10 of them are thinking it. Um, yeah. So we can share and bounce off our experience. And because Dean's still racing as well, every day we ask ourselves, how can we get better? How can we improve? So every day Dean's still refining his skills. I'm reading so many books a week i'm still learning every single day and together we just are bouncing off each other and improving our program and then directly sharing that information yeah, yeah. that's kind of how the motocross masterclass come about there's a pretty big reason behind it there's a void and um we wanted to fill that for the the next generation and yeah. and also i love motocross and i always will sports being it's been good to me it's you know and uh, i don't want to be one of those pros that for some reason, hang in there too long and then step away and, and hate the sport, which we've seen so many times. Yeah. Um, I really want to help out the young generation. I love motocross and I always will. And this is a perfect way yeah. to, to stay in the industry and help out the best way we know. Yeah. And we love working together, so it works good. Yeah, awesome. So for you, Dean, like something I did would love to ask you, like when did it, it sounds like it was at a really young age that you were super clear on that you could be an Aussie champ or that's where you wanted to, to get to? Is that the case? Well, I mean, when I was, let's say, I'll go back to when I was 10, it's when I started racing a little bit. Um, all I wanted to do was just race motocross. Um, I'd seen my cousins do it um, for years before that and I finally got the chance to go and do that. And it was so, being an Aussie champ or something was, was so far beyond what I could imagine at the time. Um, I just wanted to be the best at the race that I'd go to. And we started with club days and doing little Southeast Queensland kind of races. Um, it was a real challenge for me to get to the races for a few years. Uh, I lost my father and, you know, mum helped out as much as she could and in, the, and in the best way that she knows how. And then when I was, I was 15, we started doing some state titles and I was, um, you know, I was racing against Todd Waters. He was uh, the best junior at the time. And I wasn't as, I definitely wasn't as good as him, but I wasn't far behind. And there was a part of me that thought, oh, if I could try to get to that level and, and go with him, we might be able to make a career. And then it wasn't until I turned 16, um, I, I, I literally, I got asked a question, um, how, how bad do you want to do this? Do you want to be a pro? Do you want to make a living out of this? And it, no one had ever asked me that. And I was, because I couldn't imagine it and I just, I thought I had to follow this script of being an awesome junior. 
to be a, to be a big champ. Um, and I wasn't. I wasn't an, like an awesome junior. I thought I had to do that, and it really scared me. And I thought, oh, I lost sleep one night. I just thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And uh, I woke up and said, I just said, everyone, oh, I want to be a pro motocross rider. Yeah. And from that moment on, um, mum just went all in and helped me out. And I just I started training, pulled out a pen and pad, and went, I got to get fitter, I got to get faster. And literally, my career took off. I did. I, I found people that could help me, um, help me get faster and uh, I was looking for knowledge the whole way along. So literally I was 16 and it happened in just overnight. I decided I, I want to be something and I'm going to give it a go. And from then on, I just, you know, I, I, I worked out how to get fast really, really quick. I found that was the easy part. Go fast on a bike. Like I was, I managed to win a few motos in MX2 when I was 17. Um, never won the overall, but I was fast enough to win. But like I said, I was either win it or bin it. So, and that went on for about nine or 10 years before I worked it out. But yeah, yeah, at a young age, all I wanted to do was ride motocross. And when I realized it could be reality, I was 16 years old and then I just went for it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Sounds like you just committed to the process. I did, yep. It was full commitment. That's what it was. And something we often talk about is that when the why becomes big enough and the want and the desire, the the teacher turns up so you know as soon, when he was kind of fluffing around and not really you know still enjoying it and doing it properly but not really committed that that's going to be a career there was kind of a few people but then as soon as he committed all of a sudden that determination that the drive shows people see and then all of a sudden the right kind of trainers and different people entered his life and was able to help him step it up step it up step it up and then as you know you you slowly outgrow different mentors and then you get another one and yeah, the teacher always always turns up when you're ready. Yeah, for sure. I think you're right. That's that's what I was going to say to you, Renee. Do you, th- do you think that's like something with, that we can cultivate, that, I guess, that desire? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it, it really comes down to, first of all, do you really want it? Because it's something we often talk about and we see in our coaching schools, sometimes the parents seem to want it more than the kids. And I think it's really important that when you want it, and you truly want it, it, you can see, you know, like even when we're at the clinics, we're so much more inclined to help the kid that wants to help himself. Yeah. And I think at, at that point when you're in that and you're cultivating that and it's what you truly want, um, the pieces will, will slowly fall. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So so when you started working on, oh, I guess all those other pieces, Dean, like that's something that I, that I, I guess, work on with my guys is I break it down into kind of five main areas like mindset, nutrition, training, like off bike training, recovery, and then obviously the skill component, which is the riding the bike itself. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which one of those, or do you think that like there's now obviously knowing what you know now about the mindset component, like transform things for you, but is there sort of one or two of them that you think need to sort of fall in line first? Uh, I would say, and I've always said, I'm not sure if this is 100% correct, but if you want to be a good motocross rider, first and foremost, you need to be fast on a bike. So skill. So skill, skill on a bike. Secondly, I would say you need the mindset because to go fast on a bike, there comes risk um, and you could do a fair bit with mindset and you could you could definitely, even just riding, you get pretty fit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would say... I'd say uh, Bike skills first, uh, mindset second. I would say fitness third, bike training. Um, I, w- I would put recovery and training together. They go hand in hand, as you know that. Yeah. And I would put nutrition uh, last. But honestly, one without the other of all those five things doesn't really work. You actually, you kind of need them all, definitely. But yeah, I-, I say like, let's learn how to go fast. And there's plenty of good coaches around the country. Um, you can reach out for that. Um, and then, um, you know, plenty of people like yourself that are teaching, um, how to get fit plenty. You can even go to a gym and you can get somewhat fit. You know what I mean? Just from a PT, even though it's not that personalized. Um, but the mindset is probably the hardest thing to learn. Um, and just us being typical Aussies, I think it's, uh, something that we neglect or think we don't need or. And a bloke thing a bit too. Yeah, blokey thing. Oh, I don't know what mindset what, you know <laughs> what I mean? And no, I hit the ground because I made a mistake, um, you know, with my skills. And that's that's also something. Um, when people make mistakes, they look at what actually happened on, on the bike. Oh, yeah, I grabbed too much front brake. Or, 
but they don't actually think of the why. Think of the why and where they're what they were thinking at the time. If they could go back and ask what they were thinking, um, it might bring them back to it's more the mindset than the actual Focus. skill on the bike. Yeah, for sure. That that's what I was gonna say. I think you when you can't when you learn a little bit about the mindset thing. I suppose I think we're kind of already. Well, we're definitely already doing it to an extent when we ride um, and, and, and racing motocross. Like people are setting goals. People are being present in the moment. That's why we love riding like because it gives us that feeling. But when you can learn a little bit about it and understand it, then you can actually like refine it and use it to improve what you're yeah. doing. And like, like you said, people are trying to be present in the moment, be conscious. It's just when, when something happens on the, on the track, and it takes you away from you being conscious. Um, and I, and when emotions get involved, that's when she can hit the fan on the bike and you need to know how, how to deal with that at the time, because if everything's going and you're in the flow, you're focused and your riding's good. Um, but if you make a mistake and you crash, usually it, it emotions it, take over. Usually something's happened. Like you've had a different thought or emotions take over, or you've lost, lost the presence of riding. And having the tools to be able to deal with that when something goes along or if it's not working or if it's not being smooth or if you're not in the flow, I think that's the most important part for sure. Yeah. So is there something, do you sort of practice that off bike? Is there something, any tools that you kind of use to improve that off bike or is it something you are trying to be more aware of when you're riding? Look, because um, I've been doing it for so long, I... I've learned how to just be aware while I'm riding and be mindful of everything I'm doing. We do realize that I've been, I've been doing this for a long time and I've like I said, I was 75% the way there and I just refined a few things and I was able to, you know, have that winning mindset and to be conscious for the whole 35 minutes. Uh, but we have developed some tools in the masterclass of in the mindset on to get people in the zone um, yeah. and also how to be present. Yeah. So we, we teach it. There's so many different things and avenues that we teach depending on what they're trying to focus on. So whether it's to build their confidence, you know, we, we try and identify as well, help them identify what specifically there is holding them back. And then we, we develop skills. So um, confidence or focus or different things. So I think what you're asking about is specifically is focus. And the two tools that we recommend when it comes to that is the first one is meditation because meditation, as you know, is that initial practice of, letting your thoughts pass you by without latching onto them. Because as when you're writing, you need to be focused wholly and solely on exactly what you're doing in that present moment. So if you have a thought or a rider passes you and you've got a charge, a specific charge against that rider, then that can take you away from what you're doing. So meditation is a really good practice to be able to allow your thoughts to come and go and still stay focused. Um, so we do um, encourage that. And the second thing is also just understand why you're doing what you're doing and um, practice the focus. So around the track, um, if you're doing motos, pick a couple of focus points. I know Dean, even still to this day, uses the finish, lap, finish flag. So every time he does a lap and he hits that finish lap, it's like that trigger to remind himself, am I focused on what I'm doing? So for, for younger riders, we encourage to pick a few places around the track because you know, for Dean, it's only one lap that he needs to remind himself. But for others, you might, if you're new to this, you might like to start earlier and go, okay, well that tabletop and this tabletop, I'm gonna think focus. And it's just that reminder to go, where, where is your attention right now? Are you concentrating on what you're doing or has your mind started to wander? Yeah. And, and, and another tool as well, uh, it's quite easy at the races to get excited or for some reason yeah. not have a, a balanced emotion or perception of what's going on. And I've found that we, we perform in this little narrow window, right? And if you're too excited and too elated and you've got a lot of adrenaline, you will you know, you'll be above the window and you won't perform. So it's a performance window. So when you're above that, um, I've got some breathing exercises and tools to bring yourself back down into the window where you can perform. This is done just before the race. And also if for some reason you're deflated, which can happen because if people get too excited the week leading up, we had a masterclass student say that's happened. Then at the race, he's so deflated or something's happened um, or they're sad or, or whatever it is. I've got a way to, you know, Use your breath. Yeah, use some breathing exercises and to get yourself yourself pumped up so you're in that performance window. And that's something that I've had to do at the MX Nationals myself. Um, usually I'm too excited um, when I'm getting out there and sometimes I've had to – I know that I'm a bit scattered if I'm 
too, too much adrenaline or something's happened or the championship's on the line. So I've really had to bring myself back down in the window and calm myself down. And on one particular occasion, I had to G myself up because I'd won the championship early. I went to the last round and the a, bit too relaxed. a bit too relaxed. The purpose was like the championship and I'd already got that. So I had to G myself up for the race because I knew like I'm not going to perform if I go out here and I'm yawning on the start line. Yeah. So I got myself a little bit G'd up, got myself back into the window and I was able to, you know, perform it to the best of my ability. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I like that. That's some, some good, good little takeaways there for people. I think you're so right. Like just being able to be aware of when those, if we call them emotions or we feel like we are out of that, that, yeah. that window of being fully present. Mm-hmm. And then the breath is such a simple tool that we can use anytime to sort of bring us back where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it kind of sounds so simple that it's too simple, but it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it, it works like hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Literally, as you would know, it sounds like you teach as well, but um, it only takes two minutes of your time. Yeah. And you know, uh, you can find a quiet place in your van if you don't want any, anyone to see you. I'm more open. I don't really care how I look or what I do around the, you know, um, but yeah, it could feel a bit funny to start with. Um, you know, if you, if you're in there doing like meditation work, but honestly, if you want to be at your best, uh, it's some simple little tools. You don't need anything. You just need the presence of mind and some breath work and you can go out there and ride a lot better than what you might have. Yeah. And some people use trigger words or all different things. So it's, it's about, you know, it's about building a habit and every habit starts with a trigger, um, which generates, you know, an emotional cue to do, to make an action. So if you want to get the result, you always have to start back at your thought, which is often comes from a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So confidence, that was one thing you mentioned there, Renee, like that obviously confidence is a massive part of going fast on the dirt bike. Absolutely. And I'm sure Dean, like you've had, like you said, you had that, I think perhaps 2017 when you had those amazing string of results, mm. your confidence would have been at an all time high then. So I'm sure you've experienced it to perhaps the highest level. How do you kind of define confidence and how can we cultivate it? Well, it's something you need to get confidence in increments. It's baby steps. You know what I mean? Uh, you can't just get confidence overnight. Um, it can't be faked. And there's some people, you know, when they're trying to fake it, they're trying to overcompensate by talking a big game or puffing their chest out or, you know, putting other people down. Um, that tries to make them feel good. Uh, but, it doesn't but, work. but true confidence just comes from, you know, all of these things that you work on, the mindset and the bike skills, um, your nutrition, your rest and your training. Um, and just, you just build every day. Like if you were to wake up every day and went and, and say to yourself, I want to improve a little bit. I want to improve towards something, do something towards motocross. And every day you do, um, that's what builds confidence. Um, it, it can be it can be shattered quite easily if something goes wrong. Um, but the idea is you just want to keep improving every single day. Um, look, I've been through the lowest of lows and highest of highs. You know, if you if you um, look at it like that. But I think yeah, true confidence comes from a lot of work, a lot of discipline, um, and and getting results because. I don't think you can get confidence at a practice track. It's kind of it's kind of fake. You don't really know where you are until you're at the race, and just keep keep baby steps, keep moving forward. But uh, talking about getting confidence, it's something that you have to control um, because when you start winning all these races, you could easily get complacent. Um, and the moment you do that on the bike, it for some reason it bites you in the ass. It's happened to me too many times um, before I had the knowledge and the tools of how to control that. Um, and, and that's why I could win or be in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what we're saying. Confidence is the same, just like the performance window. There's a confidence window. Yeah. You can be overconfident and then all of a sudden you lose focus because you're like, oh, I got this. And then you're not concentrated in the moment. And then also when you're lacking confidence, you don't trust in your ability to make decisions. Confidence affects your ability to make clear decisions. So when it comes to confidence, we talk a lot about um, making sure that you've got confidence in your bike. So not just leaving it up to somebody else, actually know and pay attention to what you're doing, setting up your bike, have confidence in that, have confidence in your ability. So know that you've done the work because you can sit here all your life and be like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. But unless you actually do the work, you internally know that. 
and your subconscious is what's driving you on the, on the day. It drives you way more than your conscious mind does. So no matter how much you say one thing, you need to do, follow through and act with it. So it's really important that people are doing what they're saying and not just talking a big game. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, confidence is definitely something you've got to got to learn how to deal with. That's yeah. for sure. It's not um, it's not you just get confident and it happens easy. Yeah. Um, you face new challenges. There's challenges with everything yeah. that you do, and that's how you know how to harness it and, and use it to your advantage. Probably one of the single biggest advices that we can give when it comes to confidence is depend if you are focusing on improving and not trying to prove yourself because the moment you attach your self-worth to the outcome or the result your confidence is going to oscillate like crazy you're going to be going up and down high and low but if your focus is on constantly improving and in getting better yourself every time then you can continually keep building your confidence as opposed to having it up and down like a yo-yo you know but the moment you put it on an outcome and attach it and be like, I've got to prove myself, I've got to prove I'm better, I've got to prove this, we always can tell the writers the moment they start focusing on proving themselves that they're, they're in for trouble. Yeah, and I want to say the biggest part of confidence is having those skills, like, you know, uh, sports psychology mindset skills to be able to do something with the confidence because otherwise you'll never be truly confident. You'll be like I used to be and then you know, win one and then crash one and you never actually get that confident because you don't know what to do with it. So to be able to harness it, you need some, um, some, some mind, you know, some mindset skills. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I like, I think that's, that's cool. You mentioned that Renee, like it's, it's important to realize that <clears throat> our results, like they, it doesn't, our results don't define who we are, I guess. It's, it's that's something. Hard as an athlete. Yeah. It, it's hard as an athlete because as an athlete, you want to win. Yeah. And it's like, it's for me, when, as I was studying this and learning it, I found that one of the hardest things to comprehend is to how to work that you don't want to pull that away from them because it's like you, we've got this inbuilt nature to want to be the man, you know, you want to be, you want to be the top dog. You want to be, you know, we've got like this, especially men, you know, you've got this alpha male thing that you want to show. Um, you know, you want to harness that because that can be a huge driver to get you out of bed at, at 5am in the morning to do your training. Um, but it's finding that balance um, between still striving for it, but not letting it define you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I, and you're exactly right, Dean, too. Like that's, I think people sometimes get mixed up between confidence and cockiness. Like you say, people who are puffing their chest up and that's quite, that's, I think they're perhaps coming from a place of, a little bit of doubt or uncertainty. So they feel like they have to do that to, to sort of pump themselves up. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, but you know, like you said, when we do the work, when we've, when we've trained, we've eaten, recovered, done the work, then the confidence that self-belief is there. Yeah, that's right. And when you've, when you've done all the work and you internally know you've done everything you can, um, you're as confident as you could be, you know what I mean? You, and you don't actually have to worry about your competition because it doesn't matter. If you've done all that you can do, it doesn't matter how much they've done or how much they haven't done. Um, there is actually, that's the best way of eliminating doubt altogether. It's just focusing on you because you can't control what they do. Um, but if, if you're struggling with your confidence, you might be thinking about those guys like, oh, maybe they did more work than me. Even if you don't say it, if you haven't done the work, you're internally, you'll internally know that, hey, I haven't done anything I can, and maybe they have, you know what I mean? But you focus on you, that's the best way to get the results that you could, you know, you know, can get. Yeah. And cockiness, as you just said, is just an overcompensation for low self-worth because every single champion that I know and that I've studied and, and looked at, the last thing they want to do is put other people down. They just want to lift people up and they want to enjoy where they are. Yeah. The, the people that we hear that are trying to fully put people down or be all you know macho macho and overcompensating you know if you look within they actually are just compensating for their low self-worth and as opposed to being balanced 100 percent, yeah the old world is a mirror thing yeah yes. exactly very true <laughs> <laughs> so you touched on it there just briefly before dean but challenges like how do you kind of frame them like obviously they're in anyone who races, we're going to face them, whether it's an injury or a bad day at the track. Like, how do you 
reframe them and use them to actually, I guess, progress forward? Well, just know if you're facing challenges, um, the challenge is there to challenge you to move forward. Um, there's no point bitching and moaning about it and, and pointing fingers and say, oh, this sucks. Um, the best way to deal with it is just head on, um, use all the tools you got, because you know if you get beyond that, you're moving forward in your career. Um, and no matter what, there's, there's, uh, you're going to have support and challenge. There's an equal degree of it. Uh, we won't go into too much detail, but no matter you get you get beyond that next challenge, there's another challenge and then there's another challenge. And it's like with everything in life. So like even when you, for myself, when you get up there and you, you're winning a lot, uh, like I had been in the past years, there is still a lot of challenges, like the same amount of challenges that, as the guy that's getting fifth. There's, there's just, just different forms. They just come in different forms. Um, yeah. There is always challenge. So just don't worry about it. Just take it head on. It's the best way to get through it. And that's a really good indication of, we mentioned earlier about your why and how important it is to you. And if you're doing it for you or if you're doing it for somebody else, when you're doing it for you, you embrace challenge equally as you embrace support because you know that it's helping you get better. But when you're doing it and you're doing it for somebody else or you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you will find yourself constantly needing external motivation and you'll be like oscillating between seeking pleasure and avoiding pain all this time. And this is constant battle. But, you know, yourself, like any motocrosser, if you go out and you win a club day or, you know, then you go and you look for the next challenge. You look for a harder race. You might go to then a sunny state or a national level because you want challenge. You want it to keep pushing you to get better. But when you're doing something that you don't like, you try to avoid challenge and you just want the good. Um, but there is um, drawbacks and benefits with everything. Yeah. And, and not just racing in general, but like... Um, for myself to to have the, the, the years and the seasons like I'd done, um, I know the effort that it took and the challenges the challenges that I faced to put in that effort because um, I, I knew, you know, how much I had put in to go and do that. The challenges that we went through were just, they were really big yeah. for sure. It wasn't, it definitely, it's, ne it's never that easy. Um, but that's what makes Dean who he is today. You know, we've looked back over every, the hardest times in his life have been what have given him the most growth. And so that's where it depends as to what are you looking for? You know, are you looking to talk about how good you are at racing or are you actually looking to, to be good? Because to be good, you have to face challenge and use that to toughen you up and, and, and get that next level better. Yeah. I think that's a great thing that you can pass on to the, the younger generation for sure. I wish I had to learn that earlier on in my life yeah. <laughs> made a big difference yeah yeah just looking for the benefits in it okay well, what 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 can i learn from here this what are the opportunities here because with every challenge there's opportunity there is no challenge in your life no matter how big or small that doesn't come with an opportunity yeah and just knowing there's another challenge on the other side of the hill that you're going up um <laughs> i feel like we all should learn that when we're very young because you're like oh if i just get over this hill It'll be sailing, you know. Um, but that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, really. Except for, um, I want to say, training um, when getting fit. And you might re relate to this. Um, obviously, you're right into your fitness and you, you'd be at a very high level. But I always tell my, you know, my students and the people around me that want advice, it's like fitness or getting fit is like this massive hill. And then if you put, if you put in long enough, it starts to like plateau and it starts to get a bit easier. It's like a... You know, you get to that level where it all starts flowing along. It snowballs into something great. Uh, I'm not sure if you experienced that. I'm going to ask you the question now. Did, did, have you, did well, you as well? Yeah, I think you're right, man. Like, I guess it depends where you're starting from too. The, the, if you're coming off the couch, there's, it's most certainly going to be a steep, a steep <laughs> climb for you. Uh, yeah. But you're right. Once you build that foundation, whether it's strength or aerobic base, like you build that foundation up, it's really easy to actually maintain it. Yeah. Once you put in a solid a solid preseason and then you just keep maintaining that, like every year you're just gonna build on that and build on that. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel and, and do more hundred more hours than you did the year before. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You just gotta keep icing the cake essentially. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely on the same wave with that. And uh I think also because we're in the southern hemisphere and our preseason's in the like the middle of summer. So if you have a little rest in December and you start like at New Year's, 
my gosh, I don't know about you, but like up here, it just feels so heavy. Like January every year for me is just like, oh man, banging the head against the wall. You're just going, going to the limit every day, every day. And then it's not until you get like, I reckon towards the end of February where you just start like taking off and you're like, you start getting strong. And then also the weather starts cooling down and then you feel like Superman, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So obviously the writing technique is a big part of what you do too with the coaching and, and you're obviously one of the best writers we've got in Australia. So how, I guess, how much of an importance do you place on that? like really just dialing in your fundamental writing skills? Um, Just as much as everything else, definitely, to an equal degree, I would say. Um, But like I said, it's probably most important. If you want to be a good motocross rider, you've got to be be fast. So you've got to learn how how to do it. Um, You definitely need a good technique to make it to the highest level. Um, Secondly, it keeps you safe. You know, if you've got good technique, it keeps you safer, definitely. Um, So, yeah, I'll, I'll... put a lot of emphasis on it um and there's a big part in the motocross masterclass about the skills but and the foundations what i think we saw as you know with like the wheels and stopping and stuff how are you doing this work the base technique yeah so definitely and with the foundations like you said i think they're very very underrated like you can just with a flat paddock you can learn how to ride a bike incredibly well just through some basics like how to use the clutch and how to use get feeling of all your controls and balance on the bike, you know, through slow riding, mono skids, things like that. Uh, it's something that I really stress at my school and I, I want my students, I, I show them the skills you can do very slow, do some, you know, mudguard scrapers and things like that. Um, normally at the end of the day, they're more blown away with that than, you know, cranking through a rut really fast because yeah. um, those foundations is what make, gives you that control when you do go fast. So yeah. I, I do, I, I do um, make sure that I yeah. stress that to the students when I'm actually out on the road coaching. And, yeah, I've got a whole section in the masterclass just saying you need to do a lot of this. Not to underestimate the power of the basics. Yeah. And the foundations, just like your fitness, you know, when you've got a big base that, you know, yeah. you, you can, can take, go you further. Can, you can take it further. Yeah, I think it's it's a it's something I've learned again learned late later in my life that I didn't didn't practice when I was racing. But <clears throat> it is like your fitness; like you don't have to go out and and try and go balls to the wall every time you're on the bike. Like you, you can have a session that's lower intensity and just focus on those on refining those skills. It's and it's still going to be like a huge benefit to your riding. Yeah, and if I let's go back a little bit when you asked me when I when I decided to become a pro. Um, I just happened to stumble across this really good coach and all we worked on was skills and drills. Like I never did a moto all year and this is when I was in the under 19s um, and my speed just took off. I definitely, I don't just do skills and drills now when I'm older because I have such a purpose of going out there and being fit and I'm definitely more conscious about, you know, my riding and I've, I've built those skills up for so long that it's actually just natural for me to have a, you know, use the technique and the skills that I've learned. Yeah. But yeah, when that, the quickest way to get fast is just work on your skills hundred percent. Like, because there's no point going out there and doing a moto flat out without, you know, improving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can go ride all day, but if you're off with the berries and you're still doing what you were doing yesterday, yeah. the chance that you won't even get better. So hundred percent. Yeah. You want to be conscious of improving your skills in the bike. And the other thing we touch on at our coaching schools as well is that those skills don't just help you when you're going fast, but they also help prevent crashes because sometimes preventing and getting yourself out of a sticky situation with the right clutch and throttle control can add time to your races, you know, can save time in your race as well because if you hit the deck, you know, there goes your lap time. Yeah, and I'm sure all the pros... um, around the country or around the world could could vouch for me uh saving a moment or a mistake is a skill in itself you've like you've you've worked on skills on how to you stop the mistake from you know and turn into a crash turn into a crash yeah so yeah yeah that's awesome so tell us about mindful of your time so tell us about what you've got planned moving forwards like with these with the the schools you're running like are they going to be sort of something you're continuing over the next couple of months or? 
Yeah, um, depending on what happens with the nationals and when it starts, uh, at the moment there's um, we're not sure uh, and there's nothing definite. So at the moment we're on the road, we're doing as much as we can. Uh, we're do we've got quite a lot planned here in southeast Queensland and now we're getting requests to go really far north in Queensland and we're getting requests to go really far south New South Wales. We can't get into Victoria or South Australia yet, but that's definitely on the cards. So we're just going to keep going. Um, because we're just getting yeah. inundated with people yeah. that want coaching. Um, so, yeah, we're just um, flying by the seat of our pants and our, yeah. you know, with our van and our trailer and our two little girls. Yeah. And um, we're having a blast, you know. We're really enjoying it. And I think the duo of the combination, too, of um, male-female fe male, um, at, at our schools is we're getting really great feedback from that, um, I guess bringing that just slightly different to um, what's, what's been offered before. And um, at all of our schools, we do um, not just writing skills. So we do um, three hours of writing schools, writing skills, sorry. But then we also do an hour off bike where we talk about all of some of the things we've discussed today. We give them practical tools they can take home immediately to actually, one, we help them how to learn and how to retain the info from the day. And then talk about fitness and mindset and all of the other pieces together. So it's like a little mini masterclass, um, all of our schools. So... Yeah. yeah, great feedback. We're enjoying it. And if, you know, if God forbid the nationals don't go ahead this year, then I would say that we are heading off and you'll see us on all sides of the country. We'll yeah. be heading as far as we can go and yeah, yeah just enjoying just it. Helping as many people as we can. And we, Spreading the we, word. we still have a few more videos. Well, the motocross masterclass, like the online platform is done. There's a, just a couple more videos that we need to finish with. Um, we just want to add in. But we ha actually had to wait for a race. Um, because a couple of them were like race day prep and on race day and we're going to show them through the program and what I do and why I do it. Um, but apart from that, the whole thing is done. And ready for people to go. And we're just going to gradually, as we um, identify what people need, we'll just update the videos. and. Um, yep. Yeah, like, a lot, like so far on this trip, um, because I've been doing it so long, sometimes you take for granted the little things that you know. And on this trip, oh, I've been writing them down because some people will be like, oh, why, why do you do this? And I'm like, oh, I need to put that in the masterclass, you know, for, yeah. for the people that don't know. And even I had a kid ask the other day, like, how do you get the wire on the grip so nice? And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to have to do some more videos on, you know, uh, bike setup and stuff. I have quite a few there, but I'm like, well, I didn't do one on how to make the wire on the grip so, <laughs> yeah. so nice. And some people want to know that. So yeah. we're, we're, it'll never really be finished. We're just going to keep updating and put more stuff in, um, but it's something we hope to carry for years yeah. on, you know? Yeah. We, like I said, we, we thoroughly enjoy travel and our half-day schools work great because we do, we get up, we do um, half-day schools with everyone and then we get the afternoon, we get our training in and we travel and we take the girls around, we see different things and um, we've also been picking up, we've been in talks now with some of the schools about maybe even going in and doing some motivational talks with the kids at schools in the midweeks. Um, yeah. so who knows where it'll end up and take us. I ended up doing a public talk while we were in Roma. Um, just a bunch of locals um, came and I did a talk on um, personal development and, and lifestyle and mindset. So, yeah, it, it's really it's really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I like the sound of it. Well, I, I'd love to get along to one. If you come down south, I'd come along for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah awesome. we'll, we'll be heading down that way. Um, I think in one month's time, we have planned to get down to the south of New South Wales. Not sure if I can get into Victoria, but... I think they did say something about the border, but we'll see. We'll have a look at it. We'll see. It. We'll be down that way for sure. Yeah, awesome. Mm. So one last, to finish up one question, what, I guess you could probably both answer this in your own way, what would be two or three biggest tips you would give if there's a young guy or girl watching this who, who's got that little flicker of hope that thinks, well, maybe I could be the next champ, what would you say to them? Um, I'll start this one. Yeah. I want to say, number one, take responsibility because you are the author of your entire life and your success. Uh, there's no point making excuses. I, I, I don't believe in excuses. Uh, personally, I didn't follow the script of being the awesome junior that should be, you know, junior champ before he gets a ride and goes into that. Um, I kind of rewrote that and put, put a lot of belief in myself. I didn't make an excuse. Um, and then, you know, when I got older, I started, the more responsibility I, I took for my life, the more, um, the more I moved forward and took on those challenges and the more success um, 
you know, I could create for myself. I, I don't believe that you should be pointing fingers or, or saying, oh, I can't do it because of this or that or, you know what I mean? Like you, if, if you really want to do it, you can find the tools um, and you'll make it happen no matter what. So take responsibility of your life and your career. Um, yeah, you want to answer what do you reckon for the second one? Um, the other, for me, the one thing that I stand by and that if I had one word, one piece of advice to give is that is the stories you tell yourself matter. So the way that you talk to yourself and the way that you, you know, like it kind of ties piggybacks a little bit onto what Dean says, take responsibility for your own life. But the moment you give away that power and you, you start blaming other people or using excuses, you're giving away your own power to fix it and to take control. So, you know, the language that you use, the way that you talk to yourself, um, instead of saying, I can't, I can't yet, because everything can be learned. And, you know, when an event happens, and we touched on this a bit earlier with, with challenges, when a challenge comes, instead of saying, why me? Say, how, how can I use this? You know, and, and you know, I can't do this, I can't yet, and what can I do with this? And, um, you know, everything is on the way. Nothing is ever in the way. Everything is always on the way. So the stories you tell yourself matter. And I've got one that'll piggyback onto that. Um, and it's because you talked about the way you talk to yourself, but it's also very important that the people that you hang around. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something I learned from my trainer, Guy Andrews, years ago, uh, when I asked him for the best piece of advice that he could give me, it was like, he said, if you want to be above average, you want to hang around above average people. And it's so true. I've seen it in everything that you do. Um, you know, successful people hang out with successful people and talk about being successful. Um, and I've found that that in my life. So yeah. make sure um, you hang around the right people that, you know, that's going to help you, yeah. you know, achieve your goals. And to piggyback off that again, the, as you're hanging around with more successful people, you start thinking and talking differently. And yeah. the key difference between the most successful people and the people that are still struggling and trying to work it out is that the successful people think differently. They, you know, they're looking for answers and solutions rather than talking about their problems. You know, you don't hear a champion say, poor me. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can, you can, you can enjoy that and you can get benefit from it, but you're not going to move ahead. So um, yeah. skip all the, the excuses and just, Thank you. Thanks for the challenge. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You're right. And successful people love to help other people. Exactly. Exactly what you guys are doing. So, yeah. And you get ideas, you get different ideas. You have different conversations. You know, you might get one seed from a conversation that you're like, Oh, and then that'll create another opportunity and another opportunity. Yeah. And probably, uh, one of the biggest pieces of mindset I could give is, um, depersonalize in, everything, you know, especially on race day, but because uh, emotions don't, they don't have a place in motocross or in, or with an athlete. So when you're on the bike, the more emotionless you could be, the better you're going to be because results come from facts and nothing else. Um, I find that emotions really um, cloud, your judgment. cloud your judgment. And when you start being emotional on the bike um, or around any situation, uh, it, it, it doesn't work out. I, I learned this um, from the sports psychologist. He said depersonalize um, and, and just write off the fact that you're fast, that you're fit, um, the fact that, you know, this is how your bike is. Or, you know, if you're a 10th place guy on the day, you're a 10th place guy. But if you're feeling like, you, you know what I mean? So, um, and that's something that I had to work on really hard because I, I definitely have a, a strong inner um, chimp, I would say, or drive to win. Um, but when he jumps in there in my mind going, you know, like just fucking, you know, <laughs> annihilate them um, before you know it, like it's all going pear shape. So um, I've got to make sure I, I'm, I'm emotionless. And anyone that's been around me on race day. Um, Thinks he's cold, but did, he's, he's really a warm person. This part of him that's warm, I promise. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> some people might have confused that with arrogance, um, but I'm, yeah. yeah I've trained myself to be super cold, um, no emotions on race day. If you talk to me, it's all business. Um, and literally for the three years that I did MX Nationals here, I didn't realise until I looked back, um, I, when I got to the race in the rental car, I went to the big blue truck. I come out with my helmet on, I went to the start line, 
it was business. I come back, jumped in the rental car, went home, I trained, I worked, and I rocked up the next race. And did so. And that went on for three years. Um, it was a bit of a blur, actually, because it just I did the same thing. I worked it out. And then um, at the end of those three years, I went to a Supercross that I wasn't racing at. And I, I remember I, I went there and I thought, oh, this would be cool. I'll go hang out with my mates at the race. Because I didn't come. Because Renee didn't go. <laughs> and I walked, in, I walked through the gate in the paddock and then I, I, I went... He didn't talk to anyone but me. I was like, I don't actually have any friends at the race because I was just, it was all business and I, I wasn't, you know, hanging out or completely business. Yeah. And at that, that moment I realised, like, holy moly, I, I took it to the extreme. Like, yeah, We're learning to be more social as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit more social now. Um, I'm getting a bit more skill where I can, I can hang out and then depersonalise and then go race. Yeah. Um, while I've learned this... Um, it, it was just, uh, I had the blinders on straight to the start line. And um, it's funny now that I'm getting a bit older and you hear stories about yourself from years ago and people like, yeah, he's an asshole or he's <laughs> this or like, you know, <laughs> that's people's perception. But honestly, that was just me being yeah. just depersonalizing. I, I went to the race with no emotion because I knew that worked. Yeah. And um, that that's the biggest uh, piece of advice maybe I could give is depersonalize, yeah. train hard, um, you'll get confidence through your program and doing everything that you can. And if you can release the emotions, it's not that simple, I know. Um, well, it can be, you know, and that's where I, I, my biggest message is the stories you tell yourself matter because the stories you tell yourself affect how you feel. You know, if I said, you know, you could have the exact same event, tell yourself two different stories about it and feel completely different emotions. So that's why the stories you tell yourself matter so much because where you give your focus and your attention and the stories that you're like, oh, but your, perce your perception and how you perceive an event, if you start labeling it all bad and all this, then you're not going, it's going to be a lot harder to depersonalize than if you look for the opportunity, look for the balance and know that every single event in life has both sides. There's benefits and drawbacks, no matter how high or how low, they're just different degrees but there's always equal benefits and drawbacks. So the stories that you tell yourself and where you, how you perceive events um, affect your ability to be able to depersonalize and separate. 100%, yeah, I love it. Awesome, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I think that's, that's probably something we, did, we didn't touch on at all, but just like you covered there at the end, being like if you want to be the best or you even just want to get, not necessarily be the best or be the Aussie champ, if you want to get the best results that uh, possible for you yep. there's going to have to be a certain level of sacrifice there like yeah and when but when you're like you say when you've got you're well in tune with your values and your reason why yeah and you kind of reframe that it's not really a sacrifice for you exactly it's just changing form yeah the the masters as we call them you know they they see that nothing is ever lost everything just transforms you know you, you sacrifice a little bit but you get a little bit so it's just changing form um, you know, it, it's the, the masses or the, the less aware who live in this world of gain or loss. But in actuality, there's no such thing as gain or loss. It just changes form. Yeah. And, you, you know, hit, you hit the nail on the head. There is a lot of sacrifice that comes to, uh, to winning. Definitely. I just mentioned a little story that, you yeah. know, I've sacrificed all friendships or, or social life to, to go and be a champ. Um, didn't realise it till later, but my highest value was, winning um having a tight relationship with my partner and and my family um and the sacrifices that come to that as well so um, you know if anyone that's listened to it and you know aspire to be to be good or to take it to the next level just know that there's going to be drawbacks benefits sacrifices and everything that goes along the way um but, but it's it, not all bad it's not all bad it's not bad no 100 percent not like if you're if that's your highest value um definitely just go for it uh just know that people and things will drop off along the way and it's part of the process. Uh, take it in your stride. If you're moving forward, that will happen. Um, Depersonalise from that situation. You definitely got to. Yeah. And you'll attract new friends and new new people into your life because nothing's ever missing. It just changes form. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for both coming on and sharing that and being, um, I guess, yeah, sharing all that out of those personal stories and a lot of value in there that I'm sure people will take away from this. So thank, thank you again. You. Yeah, no, thanks for organising it. Uh, I think it was a good talk, actually. Um, thanks for you know getting us online. Uh, 
like we said, we really want to help the industry and help people. And it looks like you do as well, for sure. Um, yeah, we, we like also, we like what you do and we, you know, we follow your page as well. And for sure, um, we love that there, that there's more people out there that are sharing the message and the, the vitality of putting the whole picture together and not just focusing on one pit because you can't make it as one as a champion with just one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So thank you as well. We appreciate it. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thanks guys. All right, Ben. Have a good day. Bye. See ya.